You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans, for Auburn fans. War Eagle Auburn family, and welcome back to War Horses, your source for Auburn equestrian news and discussion. Now, I know what a lot of you are thinking. Who is this guy, and what has happened to Auburn Elvis? He's here, I promise. But for some reason, he has decided in his infinite wisdom to allow me, Kyle, the uh, host of the main host of the network to play the role of host on this show that we're going to be having today for War Horses. Uh, so it's a little bit odd, it's a little bit different, but uh, I just want to thank Elvis for first of all welcoming me on his show and letting me, I guess, be the leader on this, if you can call it that. Thank you, Elvis. No, no, you're welcome, Kyle. Uh, it's it's a, a joy to have you here with me. Well, you know, it's anytime I get invited on someone else's show, uh, I always consider it an honor because it makes me feel like you don't hate me that much, at least, or at least you hide it very well. So <laughs> I, do, I do appreciate that so much. And we're going to be talking some um, Auburn equestrian scheduling news. And not just that, we'll probably dive into some SEC equestrian scheduling as well and just kind of the makeup of the season that we'll be getting very, very shortly. Elvis has obviously done some research on that and has got a pretty good perspective of what's going on in that. But, you know, it wasn't just enough to have one person extra on the show with Elvis today. We had to get a second one, and not just anyone. We had to get someone we've been missing for quite a while, and that's one Mr. Drew Hooper, my former co-host on Inside the Jungle, the basketball show. Drew, it is good to talk to you, my friend. Yeah, it's good to talk to Auburn Elvis. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Okay, all right. No. <laughs> you can see, look – Here's the thing. I think a lot of people are like, what happened to Drew? You know, he, he, why is he not with Kyle anymore on the basketball show? Well, podcasting is not his life. We don't actually hate each other. We actually kind of do. Well, I love him. I don't know if he loves me at this point. But. Kyle, I legitimately have to say, I don't think anyone is asking where I'm at. Uh, look, you provided some great analysis basketball-wise on that show. And I, I do think there are people that miss you. Uh, but obviously duty calls in life and you just kind of have to take that step away whenever you feel like it's necessary. But I just want you to know that uh, despite all the crap I love to give you and you give back to me, I do miss you on that show, buddy. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that sentiment, Kyle. I, well, I get all sort the, of miss the moments. Let's uh, get the mushiness stuff out of the way here at this point. I'll and, also remind my listeners that they should be familiar with Drew because he was one of the folks that helped me out with the virtual national championship that we did back in April um, when we couldn't go to the real one. We actually did here our own virtual version of it. And so Drew was one of the folks. He actually ended up being the MOP of that. So if you remember that, uh, that we did, that we put together the video and all that, yep. uh, Drew was the rider who ended up winning a, a ton of those uh, head-to-head rides. Yeah, and you can actually find that video on our YouTube channel, and I'll put a link to that in the description of this podcast episode if you'd like to go check that out. So, Drew, you know, there are many claims to fame that you can have in your life, but being the the best rider in a virtual Auburn Equestrian ride, I, I think that's got to rank pretty high up there for you. I will. 
I need a plaque made that says MVH, most valuable horseman. <laughs> yes. Oh, Kyle, get on that. You're in charge of merch. Yes. But... I th- we could probably pull something together. The, the get problem Clint is... to make it. He's always making those helmets. He could make a, a, a darn plaque. I bet he could. We could probably get him and on that. And it seems like his area with uniforms and aesthetics, that seems like something that he should be able to pull off for us. Most um, deaf. Yeah. But Drew, you deserve something because it's not every day you get to be named virtual champion. And I know you hold that in very high regard. Yes. I, it ranks virtual champion stoppage time, this podcast inside the jungle, (laughs) somewhere way down there. (laughs) And this shots just keep coming on the show. Not even five minutes into this. All right. I'll just deal with it and keep moving forward with that. Speaking of moving forward to do that, we've actually got to look back to the past just a little bit and kind of see what got us here. Um, obviously we all know what's happened. Elvis has been talking a lot about it on his podcast about how Auburn equestrian was not only just robbed, but well, really just robbed of the opportunity to have three straight national championships from them. And he's been doing a lot of discussing that himself with some of the interviews that he's done with some personalities in the uh, collegiate and equestrian at at large world. Uh, And you can go back and check out some of those episodes as well. They're great interviews. Uh, that you might be interested in. But Elvis, have you made peace with this at all? The fact that we're not going to get that national title uh, at least given to us? Uh, Well, I'm not going to concede that. Yes. Uh, So that answers your question right there. But what I will say is um, what I've sort of, well, one, I've realized that folks in the equestrian world, they love their rules. I'm telling you, uh, us SEC fans, rules are just sort of suggestions to us. But over on the equestrian world, they really follow those darn things. So, yeah, that's going to take a little bit of getting used to. Um, but I think the way I, I sort of put it all together in my mind is, while we can't yet technically say that we are the national champions of 2019-2020. What we can certainly say is that we are the reigning NCEA champions for the past three years, or at least the reigning champions since 2018. Now that is unassailable. Nobody can poke holes in that. So that's the way I would phrase it right now, is that we are the reigning national champions since 2018. You know, I was going to say you were going to be grasping for straws there, but the more you talked about it, I was like, that's not a bad way to look at it at all. Drew, how how has it affected you knowing that we were robbed of a national title, the third one in a row? Well, I knew he was going to be grasping at straws. It's not not a Bama championship he's trying to grab at right there. (laughs) Like, I mean, no, I I agree. Like, just the sheer dominance Auburn's had over the sport over the past couple years, and just to watch how their season was playing out last year, like, you, you we talked a lot back in March and April, which seemed so long ago about mm. like just the, the devastation that this was going to have on like the spring athletes and like how they're missing opportunities. And I think you can definitely point to this one in the grand scheme of everything and go like that team was obviously probably robbed of a national championship at worst, like a national championship run, which is, which is something that like those girls will never be able to have back. Uh, it would be nice to add another ring to the hand, uh, so to speak. And, you know, you just got to feel bad, but obviously like we're so far deep in this in 2020, like who really knows? Like, I'm just glad to have Auburn and Equestrian actually back in 2020. It didn't seem like we were ever going to get anything back there for a while. 
Well, and considering the events of recent, we're not going to say what those are at this point. I think we're all wanting to see some equestrian because we want to see a dominant performance in something from Auburn. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there at this moment. And when you brought up the whole ring on the um, another ring on a finger thing, I was thinking, do you put rings on hooves? Does that work? Well, that'd be a really big ring. I don't know. You know, I don't know what they do to commemorate the horse's achievement. I don't know if the horses really get it. Uh, they don't see the, they certainly don't know what the legacy of what all they've accomplished is. So, you know, that's a little, that's a bit of a shame, but hopefully they give them some extra treats. I know around Christmas time, they give them a bunch of uh, candy canes because uh, horses love candy canes. So maybe they do something special after the postseason to, you know, give these horses a gift. I need that PBS commercial right now. The more you know, I had no clue that horses love candy canes. So oh, I they do, boy. Oh, something. boy, they go for it. I do love a good candy cane at Christmas time, but that's about the only time. But the fact now that I know that horses want them, I'm just going to look at them at a whole different light at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm well, yeah, by that knowledge right now. Like I, I'm just yeah. sitting here in awe that like. How in the world do you find out horses love candy canes? No, if you've got some leftover ones and if you have horses near you, uh, yeah, you walk by them and toss them a candy cane, boy, they will love you for life. So, yeah, all the extra ones around the office and stuff at the EQ Center, they'll take them and, you know, they don't give them to them all at once. They spread them out over a couple of weeks or whatever. But, yeah, horses love it. I mean, I just sign it off right there, Kyle. Like, I feel like we've, <laughs> we've just learned everything. Well, no, see, the fancy, see, I have two p- different types of people who listen to this show. I have SEC fans, that's us. And then I have the fancy equestrian people, and they knew that for years. So we haven't brought anything new to their, to their world. So we got to keep going. We now know why Auburn has been so successful in equestrian candy canes. done podcast over with we're out of here all right (laughs) despite that let's get a little bit deeper into this and we're going to be discussing the schedule but you know with the schedule obviously that has players and and athletes both equine and human involved in that and so we kind of need to know a little bit about the makeup of auburn's uh, squad but also maybe a little bit perspective of what's going around in the sec as well so we can kind of understand what to anticipate for an auburn equestrian season so elvis i know that you've done a little bit of research about this so why don't you fill us in a little bit about what we can expect from not only auburn but the sec as a whole well uh as folks remember uh as things were sort of shutting down because of covid back in march um, it was right before the SEC tournament was going to kick off over in Georgia. And so it was at the end of everybody's regular season, except for Oklahoma State and Fresno State. They had one meet that was going to happen the week after everybody else. And it was on that Thursday that the whole world shut down. So all sports stopped right before they got to do theirs. Um, but everybody else got to finish. SEC's regular ski- schedule had finished, and so they went ahead and awarded Auburn the, the SEC championship, but they canceled the SEC tournament, canceled the national tournament, and the conference has basically pushed everything back. So this year in uh, 2021, uh, Auburn was set to host the, uh, the SEC tournament. Well, that's been pushed back. Now Georgia is going to host it in 21, and so our year will be 22. So we miss out on that, um, but we are going forward. Um, Let's see, uh, the finish, the way everything finished out, Auburn, of course, finished uh, first in the SEC. We were a perfect 6-0. and um, Then we had South Carolina. Uh, I forget how many they won, but they were barely, they barely edged out uh, Texas A&M. 
And then the fourth uh, team was Georgia. So that was your order. That's how everything finished. And uh, we were all set to do a postseason that we never got to do. So when you start looking, the world goes on. Uh, Those spring athletes were not given um, an extra year of eligibility. That was a bit of a controversy, if you remember. And one of the things that that affected was uh, equestrian. Um, so any of those girls that were seniors last year, they do, their eligibility is gone. They are not coming back. They will not be riding for any of these schools this year. And so everybody's got to replace that senior talent, um, with freshmen as you would in a normal year and just go on with it. So one of the things that I looked at is I wanted to see and give us a picture of one, how good was Auburn compared in, in statistics of just how much talent do we have? How many points on average do we tend to get in a meet? Also, I looked at which girls tend to, you know, be worth this many points versus that many points. And I did that not just for Auburn, but for the other SEC schools as well. So here's how things broke down. Um, and I looked at it among all of the, the schools that they faced. And then I also looked at it just among the SEC talent. Uh, of the SEC meets because the SEC meets were more competitive. You don't have these little schools like a Sweetbriar or a, you know, South Dakota State. Good as they are, they're not at an SEC level. So there are some girls who will get points in those meets that when they ride against SEC competition, they don't get their points because, you know, that's kind of that demarcation right there. So here's what I found out. On average, the talent of our starting riders typically averaged um, 14 points every meet when it was against everybody and 13 points a meet when it was just against SEC competition. Hmm. And uh, which is really, really dang good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Next in line would be South Carolina. They got about 12 points a meet and then that dropped down to about 10 and a half points once they got into the SEC competition. So good, anything above 10 is going to be good because that means you probably are winning that meet because, again, there's 20 points possible in a meet. Team that gets a higher number of points wins. Uh, Texas A&M comes in next where they were about uh, just under 11 points against everybody else when they got to the SEC. Um, It was that same – it was about uh, 10.8. So right there behind South Carolina – And then bringing up the rear, the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, they averaged about 10.8 against the whole world. And then when it got into SEC competition, it dropped down to eight and a half points. So that's how things worked as far as how many points you could guess on an average day that each of these SEC teams were going to get in a meet. So then I looked at, okay, well, a lot of these points come from your seniors, you know, and that's, that's what you would expect in an athletic competition over your four years at a school, you get a little bit better, you get more experience, you develop more as an athlete. And so you, you would expect your seniors to do a lot of the scoring and, and be your most valuable uh, players. And of course, you always have to fight that attrition and replace them every year. So let's look at how many points on average the senior class from all of these SEC schools uh, has departed. And we're going to start at the bottom. We're going to start with Georgia. Of course, that's where they belong. And I'll only do the SEC because I know a lot of these numbers don't mean anything to anybody, and that's fine. But the difference in how big these numbers are, how small these numbers are, that should mean something to you. So here comes the good part. First, with Georgia, remember they start out with about eight and a half points a meet? Right. 
they lose three and a half points to seniors. They had some really good riders, Matty Darst, Allie Trichlers. Uh, I'm glad both of them graduated. In fact, you know, I don't know if you have bumper stickers laying around, Kyle, but if you do, we need to send these girls presents uh, with a little note saying, thank you for graduating because we don't want to ride against y'all no more. <laughs> these girls were good and I'm glad they're gone. Uh, so that drops their average points down to five points on average in an SEC meet, which five points is not very high. You, again, it's only a quarter of the number of points available. So things are looking bad for Georgia. Next would be South Carolina. They lost, uh, again, they started with uh, just under 11 points. They lost 2.75 points to their senior class departing. So that leaves them with just under uh, eight points, so about 7.75. So that's what they got. And then Texas A&M is very similar. They started out with about uh, 11 points, just under 11. They lose three points to graduation. So they've got about eight points remaining. So they're pretty good. So eight points, but that's still below 10. Because remember, 10 is the medium. Now Auburn. Uh, Auburn in SEC play, 13 points on average. We lost one point to our departing seniors. So we still have 12 points. So you think about everybody else, they drop below that 10. So they've got to get those freshmen in just to up to what they were. Auburn, we lost about one point due to the senior class. So we're still up there in the 12-point range. And that, you know, if we get a good haul of freshmen in here with talent, boy, it's just going to be even more lopsided. Um, let's see. Oh, one other statistic. And again, this, this might be boring some of y'all, but I'm telling you the fancy equestrian people would love this. MOPs. MOP, like Drew here, is a, is, signifies the, the upper end of what you are capable of. If you win an MOP at one of these equestrian meets, that, that says you are show enough. Uh, you can perform better, or at least you have the capability of performing better than anybody else that day. So if you win a bunch of MOPs, that's a good indication that your team has got some, some talent. When you look at all the SEC competition, Auburn had 17 MOP rides. Uh, Georgia didn't have but seven. Uh, South Carolina had 10, and then uh, Texas A&M uh, had 14. So Auburn had 17, and 12 would be the average. So we're well above average. Basically, we took a bunch of MOPs from Georgia. And then when you look at all the seniors that are leaving, well, how many of those MOPs were due to that senior class? Well, with Georgia, they had seven MOPs. Four of those have now departed. So they ain't left but with three. Three people left that can win an MOP for them in their current roster. Uh, South Carolina, they had 10, they lost three, so they got seven remaining. Uh, Texas A&M had 14, they lose four, so they got 10 remaining. Auburn, 17 MOPs are the seniors that we lose, zero. So we still got 17. Mm. So we have retained a ton of talent, and that should scare the bejesus out of every other SEC school and every other equestrian team out there come spring if we are – able to, you know, get back into the national championship again. In short, everybody lost talent. Auburn lost the fewest or the least amount of talent of anybody. And we started out with more talent to begin with. So the rich just get richer. <laughs> and those are the numbers, my friends. Yes. Uh, when I said that you did research, I wasn't aware it was to this level. So 
my goodness, uh, sir. You know what? I don't think anybody does this amount of research in this sport. I, as I was putting this together, I had to go back through the stats that the various schools put out. And yeah, I mean, it's the game day stats of the score sheets, but that's about it. Ain't nobody doing, you know, advanced statistics on this. So, you know, people can't tell you, or I'm the only person who can tell you how many points on average uh, Deanna Green gets when she rides the reigning event, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody else in the world can tell you that. I mean, maybe Greg Williams and them can, but they're not going to share that with everybody else. So, of course. so yeah. Got to hold it close to the vest on their end. So let's let's ask Drew here. You just absorbed all that information perfectly, I'm sure. What is your big takeaway from what you just heard of the research that Auburn Elvis just dropped for you? That were awesome. (laughs) I mean, I'm just looking through the numbers too, and like just the amount of people that we've retained that were high quality performers last year. Uh, you you may have to correct me on some names here or there. Uh, like Taylor St. Jocks, is that how you say her last name? Or uh, yeah, is that Jock you, Hughes? No, it's Jock. It's either you could either say it Taylor St. Jacques with a nice little flourish at the end, um, or you could say uh, Sailor Taint Jock, which would be more of a I guess instead of equestrian, she would be into rowing. Okay, well, yeah, we, I, we're like not her a evil crew, crew podcast or anything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, I mean, we just have, we have a lot of returning talent that did like between her and Michaela Langmire. Oh yes. They are just talented individuals. And yeah, we'll, we'll lose Taylor this year, but a lot of these um, participants that, that were raking in wins last year, besides Taylor, like you're looking at, this is going to be their junior year. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is looking like something that they can really start to string together, getting those freshmen, sophomores this year in, a lot of good positions to build that confidence, build their, their skills in, in the different disciplines that they're doing. And, you know, I'm just impressed with Greg Williams and his, his squad are putting out there. Like it's just really good. Um, I mean, just a numbers guy myself, like it it just looks like he set this train up to keep rolling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's got a lot of momentum behind it. And if you remember Elvis, we talked a lot about last year when we were previewing the season that there were some questions about what was the freshman class going to be able to contribute, you know, and was it going to really need to be carried by the upperclassmen and lo and behold, we're looking at this a year later and it's not that the senior class and the upperclassmen weren't a super talented and a extremely valuable part of this team. But what we're finding out now with these numbers is those freshmen the underclassmen were just as important if if in some cases maybe a little bit more important just looking at the numbers that you just put down there so it goes to show you we don't know a lot about equestrian recruiting but my goodness does it look like that greg williams is good at it oh yeah we don't know a lot about it but the people who are in charge of it do know a lot about it and that should make you very happy as an auburn fan it does it does, and it would make me happy if we would see that occur in some other areas. Uh, that's, uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> let's, let's stay positive. Stay positive. Stay positive. So, well, how about this? Let me ask Drew this, because it's got to make you feel good right now, Drew, to see Georgia just literally be at the bottom of something. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I'm always fine with Georgia being at the bottom of something, but I'm just, I don't know, I'm a little overwhelmed with the statistics, because I'm looking at a freshman last year and Olivia Tordoff, who – seem to just perform like crazy. Those MOPs that, that Auburn Elvis was talking about, she managed to rain, rain in three of them against one against Georgia, one against number four, Texas A&M, one against 
number 10 UT Martin in her first event. Like, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited. Like I, I want to learn equestrian to figure out what in the world that qualifies you for an MOP every time. Uh, I mean, this is, I, I'm just impressed that this squad looking at the statistics uh, always seem to perform at their highest level in the biggest matches, which to be fair, sometimes us Auburn fans are not used to. <laughs> We're trying to keep it positive here. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, I will say, I, w- I want to piggyback on that. You mentioned Taylor St. Jacques and Michaela Langmire. And yes, so going into last year, um, you know, they were kind of our, our Michael Jordan and our Scotty Pippen. And then we brought in Ava Stearns and she was like the Dennis Rodman to that where you're just like, Oh my goodness. So yeah, she is in there now. And the three of them uh, are just nearly unbeatable. I mean, it's, you can't beat all, I mean, they're incredible. Uh, basically they get to ride two events uh, because of the way the, the sport works. They're good enough so that they ride equitation on the flat and equitation over fences. So just those three ladies right there have the potential to bring you six out of the 20 points in an entire meet. And then you add to that some of the new girls like Olivia Tordoff and then, of course, some of our veterans like Terry June Granger. We are just we're, – we are like a runaway uh, wheat combine. And any team that tries to step in front of us is just going to get churned up. I mean, yeah. It's, I've, we're I've got talented. a question. I've got a question. Mm-hmm. So my my new infatuation of a rider on this team, I found out just looking through all this preparing that we have a person with the name of Boo. Yes. How do you say her last name? Uh, Camerer. Okay. <laughs> so so with the with the stutter, I didn't know if it was stutterless or with the stutter. And she's also it, well, it's like it's a person who cameras. <laughs> okay. okay, she's a cameraer. Oh, person who cameras. I, She's my new favorite because her name her name's Boo and she's from Kentucky, which are like that just qualifies for me. Uh, she's a freshman last year and she actually started out. Uh, she was a starter for the in the fall. She had a really good fall and then she kind of got in a slump in the spring and so she didn't she didn't have a lot of wins in the spring. So that's you okay, know, everyone. That's she's just, about to be your MVP. Like that's going to be your MOP every every day. You think so? Meet. Okay. Well, she's capable of it. She's got the talent. Um, you know, but she's a freshman, and we put a lot of a lot on her at the start, and she did okay. And then you know, just kind of her big thing in the horsemanship is uh, she over rotates a little bit, and sometimes you can get uh, really deducted badly on that. So it's kind know. of like when I over rotate a stake. It just it just doesn't turn out well. <laughs> yeah. That's the expert analysis that you can expect here, but it actually, it fits. It's a very good analogy. Uh, and here's the thing. I will never judge anybody for struggling with someone's last name, because if you've ever listened to tiger tracks with Jessica and myself on track and field and cross country, you will have seen some of the biggest struggles with pronouncing last names and mainly for me. Uh, well, so no, she's raining. I said horsemanship. She's raining. So let's, let's make sure I get that correct. She is. So, raining. You, so since you're like basically the equestrian, like insider, uh-huh. Auburn Elvis, can I, can I get you to like pass a little message on to the equestrian department and say, sure. hey, you know, the rest of the Auburn website has this nice little pronunciation tool with their last name. <gasps> you can are you so like, correct. Can you like help us out with that? Because all it is is a little recording, bada bing, bada boom. Oh, let me tell you something, Drew. Okay, now this is something that my listeners know about me that you might not, but we have a girl that came in last year <laughs> and uh, if you look at her first name is Paige and it begins with her last name begins with an M. 
Now you've got the, the stats in front of you. You go look at that roster and you tell me, how would you pronounce her name? Okay. So let Paige, Paige. And then it begins with an M it's, it's written as Paige Matthews, you know, a person, the plural of Matthew is how I always thought it should be pronounced. Well, mm-hmm. apparently, well, at least I oh, think Mathis? I'm right. Is it well, no, the, well, the PA announcer at the meets gets it wrong every time. And he says, Matthias. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. And now I've never corrected him because uh, I didn't want to embarrass him, but you know, it's Matthews and yeah. So, but he says Matthias and everybody else says Matthias, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. Getting corrected by a guy in Elvis uh outfit uh, the PA oh, yeah, announcers got that low point it's <laughs> not a low point it's just an interesting uh time that i don't think many pa announcers would ever say so i actually kind of need that to happen i need you to start correcting them when they get this wrong at the meets from now on mm-hmm. how about this we we kind of covered a lot of ground uh setting the stage for the schedule discussion is there anything that we haven't covered before we actually get into the meat of what's going to take place for auburn and the rest of the sec elvis well, uh, one thing that will make Auburn fans happy, particularly this weekend, is that historically Georgia has always been a very strong program. Well, last year, as you know, they finished fourth. That's the worst season they have ever had. I think previously, back in 2014, they finished 3-3 three and three in the conference, and that was their worst before last year. Well, last year they finished 2-4, and four, so they dropped down to fourth place. And as you can see by my evaluation, I think that that's only the beginning of the bottom for them because, uh, yeah, they're losing a ton of talent. So when we get around to some projections, it, it ain't looking good for the dogs. So there's a couple of reasons to feel good. Obviously, Auburn is looking very good in terms of talent, the roster, but your rivals are also looking like it might be a little bit of a struggle this year for you. So I think that's a great way to set up our discussion into that. And so what we're going to do here, and I think this will probably work best, is since we're going to cover not only Auburn, but the rest of the SEC. And as a reminder, folks, we've got to mention them throughout the discussion already. There are only four SEC teams uh, that are we're going to cover on this that have the equestrian programs, and that is Auburn. South Carolina, Georgia, and Texas A&M. Now, Alabama is still trying to get one, and they have to get the, you know, they use our horses when we compete in exhibition matches. Are they any closer, uh, Elvis? Oh, no, they're actually going the wrong direction. Um, the way it works is in the equestrian world, in the college equestrian world, you have what's called the IHSA type of competition, and that's where you're doing shows. And that's a lot similar to what typical equestrian is. It's more individualistic. Now, you have teams set up, and it's like uh, cross-country, something you're familiar with, Kyle, where you have individual riders who are getting placed in certain positions in their group, and then based on those points, your team gets a score based on the you know accumulation of all the members within that team and that's how show jumping works and the IHSA is a club sport among most colleges and they operate under that model where you have individual riders earning their scores and then you pool those together to see how your team did and every SEC school except for one and I keep forgetting to look up who that one is has an IHS IHSA team Auburn does too and they all compete in a in a postseason tournament and all that but that's a club sport okay varsity sport is an ncea that's underneath the ncaa it's a provisional sport uh, as part of title nine to make sure we have more opportunities um, for female athletes 
uh, equestrian, NCA equestrian, was granted a provisional status within the NCA so that uh, more schools can get on board with a varsity sport of equestrian. And so that sport is is very much head to head. It's more like tennis where you you show up at the meet and then we randomly match up riders head to head and they ride against one another on the same horse. They take turns. Um, and then whoever got the highest score wins a point for their team. And you do that uh, 20 times, and then whoever has the most points wins the whole meet. So that one is a lot more team-focused. Um, you know, you certainly you have individual accolades like the MOP award, but really, you know, you could have a down day, but your st- team still wins because it's all about the team in the NCEA. And getting back around to your question, only those four SEC schools have NCEA. All but one have the uh, the uh, IHSA. So they have some familiarity with riding on horses, and some of them are quite good at it. It's just that only those four have taken that step up to the varsity level, and that's what we're talking about. Yep, and so that's the main ones, the only ones we're really going to be discussing as part of this SEC schedule. And uh, as always, always, it it is always a joy not only to see Georgia struggling, but Alabama to be non-existent in something. I just had to throw that in there. Uh, Yeah, Uh, and when I said they were going the other way, they actually did a thing right before COVID hit. They had a, and this is not related to COVID, but it's just coincidental, uh, like two months before COVID had shut everything down. They voted to defund the uh, equestrian program. <laughs> so they're phasing it out over the next couple of years unless a miracle happens over at Tuscaloosa. Nothing fills me with more joy in my heart to see Alabama fail at something. They are. And boy, po- people are upset too. They're, they had videos of girls crying and stuff. Oh, it was. Sad. Well, I feel bad for them, of course. But no, but just, yeah, you but should. The, yeah. But the institution of Alabama, that just well, brings me yeah, so much they joy. They made a bad choice about where they went to school. So maybe that's, you know, karma. You know, it's called learning lessons. You learn, you grow, and you don't make this, that mistake the next time you have Life an opportunity. Life is a cruel teacher. <laughs> and you transfer. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Oh, boy. You know, there was a transfer. Actually, that. thank you so much, Drew. There was one noteworthy transfer in the SEC. Uh, there's a girl. Uh, what school was it? Um, she was a rider over at Texas A&M, and her mom is an assistant coach over at South Carolina. And she's kind of right on that edge of, um, uh, of, of whether she would be a starter or not over at, at um, Texas A&M. And I think she does horsemanship, which is they got a lot of good horsemanship riders over at A&M. So she wasn't getting enough starting time. And plus her mom was the darn assistant coach over at South Carolina. So she has transferred. So this year she's coming in and she's going to give them a little bit of boost in the horsemanship uh, uh, event over at South Carolina. So yes, you do have transfers because it is a varsity sport. So you can have transfers. So yeah, she sat out a year and she's about to resume competition. Hey, Auburn fans, I want to take a quick time out from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs, especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. 
Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C network booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C network to join the E2C network booster club. You can also get there by going to our website, e2cnetwork.com slash support. Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C Network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. And so now let's talk about the schedule. And we'll start right there. And here's what I want from you guys. Obviously, your analysis of each of these, but I I do want you to give me a prediction uh, of Mm -hmm. what might happen in that because... You know, much to Clinton Richardson's chagrins, that's what we do here on this network. We give predictions. I, as we get into this, I have a question to start both of y'all off. And uh, uh, Drew, <laughs> let's say you were one of these schools that had just gotten your butt kicked by Auburn all last year. And so it's a COVID shortened season. You ain't getting a lot of these uh, these freebie meets against your UT Martins and your, you know, uh, SUNY New Paltz to kind of get warmed up and get your freshman talent ready. So in light of all of that, and you know, okay, we got to start this SEC season here. What is the one team you would want to avoid riding against right out the gate in your very first meet? I mean, you'd always want to avoid Auburn. Like, you you want to avoid the team that's the best. But, like, I think after that, it sounds like A&M or South Carolina is the one you want to avoid after Auburn. All right. But your first step is avoid Auburn right out the gate. Yeah, you agree with that. Now, Kyle, does that seem reasonable to you? Yeah, that's what I was going to go with. Uh, and I, I'm wondering where you're leading with this. And I think I know. I, I think I'm going to let you follow up on that because I think I know where you're heading with this. So given that, that we three reasonable people who maybe we ain't the best at equestrian, but we cert- we certainly know how to gain an advantage in SEC scheduling. I mean, we, we've all we've all grown up with that. So um Guess what? Every single team that ain't Auburn, guess who they start their season against? Oh, Auburn. Yes, every no, single n- one n- of them. Now I see what you're saying. Yeah, every <laughs> single team that is not Auburn plays Auburn as their first meet. Well, you know, you got to start with the best, and uh, you know that you'll know how good you are compared <laughs> no, to no, us. No. Again, think about stepping out in front of a runaway wheat combine. That is what they're doing. <laughs> I'm telling you, I can't believe it. I mean, when I look at the schedule, I see, oh, well, okay, we're playing them. And then it's like, okay, well, they don't have any meets ahead of that. So that'll be their first meet. And then I go to the second meet that Auburn plays. And I'm like, oh, so has that team had a meet? No, they haven't had a meet yet. Auburn's their yeah. first meet. And then it, down the line. And it's just like, oh, my goodness. So right out of the gate, <laughs> they've got to face the greatest team in the sport. Well, when, you know, when that selection committee comes out in, uh, what, December when they start? Oh, that's football. Sorry, I've got the wrong thing. I was going to say when the selection committee comes out, they can make no excuses because they have that person that they can beat on the schedule and prove that they're better than everybody else. But it's not going to happen because according to Elvis, we're a weak combine. Uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if Greg Williams was being, you know, playing third dimensional chess there, but he set this schedule up really good for Auburn. And I'm telling you, those other coaches did not set their schedules up very good for their teams. It's the unfortunate, uh, uh combination of, uh, having combine. A, a, combine, we combine. a week combined, excuse me. I forgot that was the analogy here, uh, that, uh, you can be so dominant and, uh, so awesome at this point in career that everybody else just has to deal with it at this point. So how about this? 
first match of the entire year is Friday, October 16th. And it's the only one we have a time for uh, at this point. Well, we have a couple other times. I just went down there and looked a little further. Anyway, 9 a.m. Auburn at South Carolina in Blythewood, South Carolina. Elvis, who do you got? Uh, oh, boy. All right. Now, I'll tell you, I've just spent, I don't know how long, how many minutes telling you how good we are and how much better we are than everybody else. I will tell you, this is the one uh, meet that I am actually a little worried about. If we go into this just sort of enjoying how great we are and not really focused on getting the job done, we could get upset. This is actually the one that I think of all three of them here in the fall. This is the one that worries me the most because it's our first meet. Um, you know, it's been a while, a bit of a layoff. You, you do wonder, hey, are these girls taking it as seriously as they could? Is their focus really focused in? There is the potential here that South Carolina could upset us. And I think they will do better than, you know, what the statistics show. I think, you know, what was it again? I was saying they average about um, 10-ish points. I think they're going to do, well, they can't do better than that because then that would mean they win. Uh, But they're going to do close to 10. They'll do about eight or nine points, I think, in this meet. But Auburn will come away with it, but it will be closer than what we expect uh because yeah. it is our first meet it's definitely one way to kick off the season with uh oh, two yeah of- it's gonna there's gonna be drama i mean you know <laughs> we're gonna have I, I imagine we'll have two to four freshmen uh starting uh because there are spots here and and what we're looking at in the scrimmage here that auburn had a scrimmage today earlier today they haven't really released the numbers of how everybody did but reading between the lines of some of the tweets and posts they put on instagram i kind of know who beat whom in the scrimmage so I think we're going to have some opportunity for a couple of freshmen to get on that starting lineup, even in this first meet here. So there's always that potential of uncertainty. You don't know how they're going to do, but uh, I expect they'll do well. I mean, they're at Auburn, so they got to be good. So. so Drew, it sounds like Elvis has some not uh, he has some cautious optimism. Would you be any more confident, or would you be a little bit more cautious about this one? Well, I, 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 I'm going to always defer to him. Uh, as I just stuttered for like half a minute trying to think of <laughs> what to say. But like, I, I think that I I agree with him. Like it's first game, you're back. I think the only other points I would make would be, I actually think a little bit in the opposite direction. And if this is a team that feels like they're robbed of a national championship, like I would be coming out pretty lit on fire, ready to go and mm-hmm. out to prove like, hey, I'm here to win a national championship. That's why you come to Auburn and Equestrian. Uh, so I, I think Auburn's going to have, they're not going to be lacking motivation this season. Yeah. And especially coming out that first match, knowing South Carolina is going to be a pretty good squad going in. And the only other thing that, that I would be thinking would be they have the ability to prepare where other teams aren't able to prepare, like other sports aren't able to prepare right. because it's you and your horse. Like you're not as worried about getting COVID-19 from your horse. I don't think. Like, At least that we know and, of yet. <laughs> that we know you, of. And you can be socially distant. So I think like they they probably have been able either personally or with the Auburn staff able to put in enough time to be fresh as you can be going into a season. So I'm a little more hopeful that this team is ready to go than some than other sports would be ready to go, if that makes any sense. It does. And I would I would say this as a takeaway from both of your takes on this this matchup here is that it's going to be probably 
sadly, because it's at the very beginning of the season, then it's done. The marquee matchup of the season, maybe, because you've got probably the two most talented teams, potentially, uh, right there at the very start. And there's going to be a lot of passion involved for Auburn because of, of them being robbed. But there's also going to be a lot of passion because South Carolina wants to beat who's on top. So it should it result in a very great match. And uh, I think we're pretty, still pretty confident that Auburn will come out on top of that one. So let's move to the next, mm-hmm. Friday, the 23rd of October. Auburn at Georgia in Athens. Now, Elvis, you set up a stage where we probably shouldn't fear Georgia all that much. Do you have any words of caution? Or are you still pretty confident? Uh, no, no words of caution. We should roll in this one. In fact, this, I would have loved to have had this one first because there's no chance we go into this one not taking it seriously. That's why I would have loved to have it first. But I think with this one is tailor-made for us to just blow them out of the water. Um, you know, they returned so few, so few of their returning, uh, you know, uh, point scoring riders. Uh, this'll be their first meet. It'll be our second meet. We, uh, uh, you know, the, one of the, the way the format works is you have four events and so you've got five riders in each event. And so you can, uh, score five points in each event for you, Alabama fans, five times four equals 20. That's, that's what we've been talking about. All right. So if you sweep an event, like say fences or flat, uh, that means all five of your riders won their head to head matchup. Well, I can tell you, I predict not only are we going to win Georgia, we are going to sweep at least one of these events. Uh, they just don't have enough good talent. Would you say we sweep flat probably is our most likely sweep? Oh, heck yeah. Uh, yeah. With uh, Taylor St. Jacques and, uh, you know, Langmire and all them. Oh, my goodness. They are just – it's probably going to be the flat and maybe fences too. I mean, we are going to blast Georgia uh, in Athens. A lot of confidence from this side of the equation over here. What say you, Drew? Well, I, I mean, with Jacques Cousteau and <laughs> Michaela, I think – <laughs> I think I think it's a win. Uh, I think it's a bad enough win that the NCAA uh, forces Georgia to r- return their horses. Uh, because <laughs> Go the way of Alabama. <laughs> well, Alabama was trying to be an equestrian with mules or something like that. So they, <laughs> no, they're just they're playing checkers while everyone else is playing chess. Of course. Uh, no, I, they- I, th- I think this is a win. I mean, just based on uh, based on the statistics, which is literally all we can go on in this world currently is is like what we think we know about what's coming back, who's what we hear about who's being prepared. And I, I think, I think Auburn's going to win that pretty handedly. Obviously we'll know a lot more after the first match, uh, but the statistics seem to indicate that this one is not just in Auburn's favor, but heavily in Auburn's favor. Yeah. And I'll say one other thing about that. Um, you know, one of the things that's tradition is you do a scrimmage, an inter-squad scrimmage, right before your season starts. And that gives you a lot of, um, uh, you know, hopefully a window into how these freshmen are going to uh, ride because you do your best to simulate an actual meet. You bring in uh, judges and you have everybody dress up and you have them come out and do the things just like it was a real meet, you know, the orange team and the blue team, or if it's Georgia's, the red team and the black team. So everybody does that. Uh, Auburn actually did ours today. Georgia did theirs last week. Now, it's completely up to the team as to how you want to allocate your talent. You know, you could do it randomly, but that would be foolish. So what you would do instead is you would, um, you know, match up certain newcomers with other people that you think it'll be competitive because you don't want 
anybody to just getting blown out. So the way Georgia did it was um, they took all their best riders and they really didn't even really ride them in their scrimmage. They had all their freshmen either riding against another freshman or against some upperclassman who is not a starter that generally doesn't get into these big meets, these SEC meets. So when I look at the scores on how they did in that scrimmage, it's really hard to tell, but I kind of don't think they have a ton of talent that's going to just drop onto the scene. Um, at least I don't think so. It would surprise me. Conversely, when I look at what Auburn did in its scrimmage today, and again, I don't have the numbers because Auburn hasn't released that yet. Um, they may be a little cagey on that, but I can, they did release, you know, white team won the, the fences three to one or, you know, blue team, or not white, it's orange and blue. So, you know, orange team won flat, you know, four to two or whatever. So by releasing those numbers, they I do know the score sheet of who's on what team. So I was able to go through and figure out, well, okay, I bet Taylor St. Jock won that. That means if she won that and Langmire won, they're the two. And so those four had to be the other people on that other side. So by doing process of elimination, I could kind of see, and I think we've got some freshmen who were beating some people that weren't necessarily uh, upperclassmen who aren't good enough to start. I think our freshmen had a pretty good day today in the scrimmage. Um, also we rode, we rode our best people in the scrimmage. We didn't hold them out like Georgia did just to make people feel better about not losing to the best talent. Uh, you know, we had, uh, Terry June Granger in there. We had Langmire, we had Taylor St. Jock and Ava Stearns. We had all of them. It really, I think is going to give Auburn a much better sense of how this young talent is going to do when they're going up against a good rider. Whereas Georgia, I think is having to handhold a lot more with their freshmen and say, okay, well, we don't want to put you against our best rider in, on the flat because she'd kill you. So we're going to put you up against another freshman, you know, stuff like that. So main so point, I have a really good, I have a really good feeling about the freshman talent of just it. I don't know exactly how they good, but I get a sense that the Auburn freshman talent is a little bit better than the Georgia freshman talent. The main point here is Auburn things seem to look good for them georgia yes. not so much and i don't know anything about south carolina and uh texas a&m yet they haven't done their scrimmages and when they do i'll look at those and then when we get into these meets i'll tell you what i've gleaned from those so we'll see well let's move on to the next game then which is hopefully uh gonna not be super awful for georgia because they just got off a butt whooping from auburn thursday october 29th in bishop georgia Georgia will begin hosting another SEC team, and that's Texas A&M. So briefly, give me – does Georgia have a chance here, Elvis? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Most Texas A&M thing. had a problem last year of being very talented and not um, – they were very talented, but then they, they were very young. And so they were up and down. You could not count on them to have the same performances two days in a row. All those girls are older now. They're still just as talented, but hopefully they've calmed down and gotten a little bit more consistent. Well, if you're an Aggie fan, if you're an Auburn fan, you don't want that, but there you go. Uh, So I think they're going to do okay. Well then, Drew, there's got to be some hope for Georgia. Any any hope that you can give the Bulldogs to have in this matchup? Sounds like Georgia needs to start handing the bag out in equestrian too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, everything i heard just just seems like georgia georgia spent all their money on football and basketball and here's the question though probably true yeah. here's the question though do you pay the the athlete or do you pay the horse uh, I, I feel like you pay the athlete 
Yeah, you pay the athlete. In fact, yeah. Uh, in all seriousness, um, you know, the horses are owned by the um, by the school, so the, that they're already paid for. Of course, you're giving them the life of Riley. I mean, they live, you know, rent free, and you know, get top level vet care. But the athletes, um, unlike a, a football and basketball, where you have to give them a full scholarship or nothing. In equestrian, as a lot, a lot of the other varsity sports, you can give partial scholarships. And so you have a budget of, you know, here's how we're going to, a total budget of scholarships. And some girls might get a full scholarship, others will get partial scholarships. And so honestly, a lot of these girls come from pretty good families that don't really need a scholarship. So it's in this whole sport, you can get away with giving partial scholarships in equestrian more so than like tennis or cross country where, you know, they're not always going to be, you know, rich people, but in equestrian, they're almost always rich people. So yeah, just a partial scholarship works. So as far as what Georgia needs to do to improve, I don't know, but I'm not going to give them any hints, but yeah, maybe paying people would do it, but yeah, we'll see. Full partial. They need to figure out something else because it ain't working at Georgia currently. So something's got to do. (laughs) Just quit at this point. (laughs) Um, all right. Somebody to beat, though. I, I want him to stick around. That's true. It is nice to have a punching bag. I mean, but if you here. just curb stomp everyone to the point where no one has a program anymore, aren't you just national champion for life? Well, I mean, that's like. No, uh, what was it back in the old days? USA softball, on Olympic softball. Didn't they take a, a, the softball out of the Olympic sport because the USA was so good they were just destroying everybody? Yeah. Yeah. We don't want that to happen with equestrian. Well, when they put it back in, they called it America Ball. So, (laughs) (laughs) hey, there are good things about dominating so much to the point that they just it ceases to exist because then you know you truly are the ultimate champion of it. But then, of course, the sport is gone, and we don't want that because we want to continue to talk about it. So, the last meet for Auburn on this, uh, and this again, I want to reiterate. I don't know if we said this at the top. This is just the fall schedule. Hopefully, we will see a spring portion come out later. Uh, but the last one for Auburn in the fall will be Friday, October 30th. And mm-hmm. the other SEC team we have not seen yet, Texas A&M is coming to Auburn. And it's an opportunity. I, we're not sure of the spectator restrictions and things of that yet. Uh, but uh, at least I'm not. Elvis may be able to give some light on that. But uh, this is an opportunity maybe to watch Auburn at home against what seems to be maybe the third tier team based off the numbers you gave us. Is there any reason for Auburn to fear, Elvis? Well, uh, one, I do want to point out, so, okay, so this is happening the next day after that one we just talked about with Georgia and Texas A&M. So that means Texas A&M is flying over, going to Georgia, and then us. So they will have had a meet before they ride against us. So I was wrong on that part. But it is here at Auburn, and we will have had two meets to their just one the night before. They haven't really had a chance to process that because, again, one of the things that they do in this sport, I mean, this is just as legitimate as any other sport. They break down film. I mean, these ladies, everything is being recorded at all these meets, every person's ride. They also get the notes from the judges on, you know, here's why I scored you the way you did. So the coaches get those, they process that, and then they sit down and have film study with these girls and they say, look, Here's where you messed up. You know, this horse also, yeah, there's a data sheet on every horse. When you go into a meet and you use the host team's horses, they provide you like two weeks or so before the meet, a whole data sheet on the horse that says, okay, this horse is known to have problems with, you know, this type of, you know, switching from this 
uh, gallop to this step or whatever. And so you, you analyze that and you kind of try to find a horse in your stable that maybe is similar and you practice that way so that you were hopefully able to anticipate it. So all of that is happening after every one of these meets. So in the case of Texas A&M, the night before they've been over in Georgia, well, they ain't got time to go and do all that film study before they come over to Auburn the next morning. So they don't really get a full benefit of having that meet like everybody else would. So even though I was technically incorrect about Texas A&M not, you know, riding against Auburn their first meet, they, I, I'm, I'm essentially correct because they're not going to get the full benefit of having ridden against Georgia because it was just the night before. That's a technicality. We'll, we'll give it to you. I, I think we can let that pass. So what was your original question? <laughs> well, the question would be, does Auburn win this one or does Texas A&M come in and shock Auburn? Oh yeah, I think so. Uh, this is the, they gave us the most trouble of all the SEC schools last year um, because they rode really well against us. And then they rode very mediocre against other teams. Um, so like I say, they're going to, they're going to, average it out and probably be a little bit better this year in terms of consistency but Auburn is ready for that and we still did beat them even when they rode their best so this is a case where two things have to happen in order for A&M to beat Auburn one A&M has to ride their best if they don't ride their best they don't beat Auburn end of story but the second part of that equation is even if A&M rides their best if Auburn rides close to its best or better then A&M still loses. And so that's what I think will happen in this meet. Maybe A&M does show up and rides their best. I don't think they will, because again, this will be essentially their first meet, um, whereas Auburn will have had two. But even if they do ride really well, if Auburn rides really well, it's Auburn's meet. I mean, they're just loaded with talent. So I predict this one to be an Auburn win. I think it might actually be more lopsided than the South Carolina one just because of, you know, we've had that experience and they will have not had that experience by that point. So I'm feeling really good about this one. Plus it's at Auburn. The girls, they they really get fired up at Auburn. We don't know yet whether they're going to allow, you know, spectators and whatnot. I think they will. Um, They just don't want to say it yet, but I think they will. And so a crowd will show up. It's it's probably going to, basically, if Georgia allows fans, Auburn will allow fans because we ain't going to be outdone by Georgia. I can tell you that. (laughs) So assume we've, you know, got fans there. They're going to be excited. You know, there's going to be hundreds of people showing up, cheering on Auburn. I think we take the day. Well, Drew, I'm going to keep coming back to you to advocate for the other team. Uh, You got to give them some hope, buddy. they, somebody's got to beat Auburn, right? I mean, it's, as long as Kellen Mond ain't riding, I think we're good. <laughs> like, Kellen Mond's the greatest Texas A&M player ever, like in anything. So, I, I mean, I think we're good. If I like, could see Kellen Mond on a horse in Auburn, Alabama, that would just make my day. Oh, you'd have Kirk Herbstreit there telling how Kellen Mond's the greatest quarterback known to mankind. So, <laughs> He's I, the greatest I MOP. I think we're good. Like, I mean, I, I trust Auburn Elvis, like. I think we're awesome. Like, I think the past three years have proved we're awesome at everything. Like, yeah. It's hard. I, why, why? Yeah. That's like saying, hey, you, you think Patty Mahomes is going to beat that JV team this week? <laughs> yeah, I do. Like, <laughs> just how it goes. Yeah. I kind of gave you the harder uh, case here. Uh, but, well, you know. I, and I'll help you out a little bit, Drew. Uh, Texas A&M is good in the Western riding. Like, uh, you know, listeners will, re- will re- recall pretty quickly that. Of the four events, two of them are the fancy English style of riding. 
Two of them are Western riding, okay? And as you would expect, Texas A&M tends to be better at the Western style. Um, we're good at both. We're great at both. Um, so uh, where they really got some points from us last year was on the, in those two Western events. And they have retained a lot of those girls. They lost some girls in the, the fancy English riding. Um, they didn't lose too many girls in that Western uh, thing. And that's part of the reason why that one girl transferred. She was in a Western event. She transferred over to USC so she could probably get a little bit more riding time because they needed some help in that. So they're good in those two. So if they were to beat Auburn, it will be on the strength of the, the, of the, the reigning and the horsemanship. Well, there you go. You've got the breakdown for Auburn's matches, and we, uh, across the board here, anticipate an undefeated fall season for them. But let's briefly roll through the last two matches here and kind of give some perspectives on that. And because I've made it so unfair for Drew trying to advocate for the other teams, I'm going to pitch it over to him first for this one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And probably what is going to be, from what I am hearing from all sides here, the most competitive match of the fall season thus far, Thursday, November 5th at 10 a.m. That's one of the few times we have announced here in College Station, Texas, South Carolina at Texas A&M. Drew, who wins this matchup? Ooh, I actually give that one to Texas A&M. 10 a.m. start time? This, I know it's on football, <laughs> but that's still 10 a.m. Like, that sucks. Like, it really does. But then again, this is like a basically an all-day thing. So, yeah. I mean, I would – I would say Texas A&M, mm -hmm. like just sheer comfort of being at home. So, I mean, that's a decent way to travel, and especially with all the restrictions that are going to be in place. Like, yeah. Who knows how their travel is going to be affected and, and all that. Yeah, I'm just going to go – I'm going to go with the home team on that one and just say Texas A&M probably going to take that one. In a game – or excuse me, a match where the two squads seem to be very – We'll say cl the closest evenly matched in terms of statistics that we're going off of right now. You kind of lean towards, especially with so much going into the travel prospects of this sport in general but this year, you've got to think that that kind of at least leans in their direction. Do you have a different perspective, Elvis? No, I go right in line with that. Um, in fact, I will point out that uh, Texas A&M had a lot of meets last year in the SEC where they ended up um, tied at the end of it in terms of the the overall score if you recall again four times five is 20 for you alabama fans and so that means since that's an even number hey what are you going to do if those two scores are equal at the end of the meet you know 10 to 10 or maybe if you get some ties you end up nine to nine well in those cases what you do is you go back and you add up the individual uh riding scores that all the riders got so you add up all the Texas A&M riders and all the, you know, in this case, South Carolina riders, and you total them together and whoever has the higher total breaks that tie. So that's how a tiebreaker goes. And uh, they had, I think, two or three ties and they lost out on the, on the tiebreakers, uh, I think, each time last year. So they were very close a lot and just didn't quite get it done. And that was last year. And again, that was because of their, their youth. So I think it's going to be close again. Uh, mm. History suggests that they, they love those close meets. Um, but I think this year they'll be a little bit better in those close meets. And I think they'll, they'll fall their way this year. And so I think they probably will, up, um, not upset, I think they will defeat South Carolina in that home match for them. 
So I would put this in the category of probably one of the top two matches of the entire season. Obviously that Auburn South Carolina one at the very beginning and now this one. So you've got two kind of things at the beginning and the end of the fall season to look forward to in terms of probably the strongest competition, the most interesting matchups. Yeah. If you care about who finishes second in the SEC, <laughs> uh, this is the meet you want to watch. Uh, Friday, the November 13th is our final matchup in the SEC. The Georgia Bulldogs will go to South Carolina in Blytheville, uh, Blythewood, excuse me, South Carolina. And it's a 1 p.m. start time for the match. Any hope for the Georgia Bulldogs to squeak out a win in the fall season, uh, Elvis? Well, there's always hope. But, I mean, really, this is you're either going to end this meet just laughing your head off at Georgia or you're going to be like, really, South Carolina? You're just going to be disappointed in the Gamecocks. So those are your two options coming out of this. It's either just living in the moment, loving Georgia's misery, or you're going to be like, man, you totally blew it, Gamecocks. Uh, so, yeah, that's – but I, I do think South Carolina will win. So, yeah. And Drew, any other perspectives, any, you know, confidence that you can give the Gamecocks or any hope for the Georgia Bulldogs at all? South Carolina – loses at A&M, wants some revenge. Georgia's bowed, has a recipe for Georgia losing their program this year. (laughs) (laughs) So they'll be going the way of Alabama, it seems, uh, at the end of this. Uh, You know, it kind of goes back to our discussion. Uh, You don't want to dominate so bad that basically the sport ceases to exist. That probably, that would never happen, but we're just talking in terms of just being funny here. Uh, But the way things might go for Georgia this year, it could be really, really, really bad at this. So let me try to tie a bow on this for us all here. It looks like we're all predicting an Auburn undefeated fall season. It looks like we're all predicting a not, well, I was about to say, what's the opposite? Ver- no wins for Georgia. And a really, perfect a, season for Georgia. A, a defeated Georgia season. <laughs> yes, that way. That was what I was trying to get out there. And it looks like it's going to get real interesting with that second place finish right there and it really depends on what really happens between texas a&m and south carolina what the makeup of the actual sec is going to look like moving out of the fall season into the spring season so what i would like to do to close out here uh from each of you and i'm gonna give the floor to drew first uh i confidence level that auburn goes undefeated in the fall season because you have predicted that that way but i want to know your confidence level and any final thoughts that you would have on our season breakdown for fall 94 percent confidence level I, I think I think it probably. Uh, I mean, I was over here doing math, Kyle. Like, I know that's hard for you, but <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> doing math. Uh, yeah, I, I think Auburn wins it. I think you're probably looking at Auburn, South Carolina, A and M, Georgia. Yeah, I think I think that's probably how it'll shake out. That's probably a fair assessment, and uh, you know, I don't see many problems with that. But yeah, I, I think 94. percent There's always a chance Auburn loses. Like, I mean, that's just reality. Like, I mean. Uh, who who actually knows what anyone has been doing during this time to get ready for the season? We can only guess what's been going on, but I, I just think with their professionalism and just their record thus far, uh, I think they'll be ready to go for the season. I just want to know what your math was that how you got to ninety four and not something you know neat looking like a ninety five or a ninety. Well, Kyle, don't want to hurt your head, my. Well, you know, that's a, few, a lot of things hurt my head in podcasting, trying to pronounce names that I can't and math. So let's not do that because we're almost done with this thing here. <laughs> Elvis, how about your confidence level 
for Auburn going undefeated and your final thoughts for the fall season? I am about 90% confident. So I'm a little less confident, but here's, here's how I arrived at 90%. Honestly, in my gut, I'm a hundred percent confidence, but then I asked myself, well, what's the, well, how, what are the odds that you're just going to look dumb for if that does happen, if they do, you know, slip up. And I think, well, I can live with being about 10%, 90% dumb. And so that's how I adjust it down to, to just a 90%. So that's where I got my 90 from. I really think they're going to, I'm a hundred percent confident, but I'm just going to say 90% because I want that 10% of hedge just to say, well, you know, there was always that chance but really Auburn's going to be undefeated going into Christmas. It's kind of that, that whole idea of if you just kind of act like you're not going to go undefeated, it'll, it'll actually happen, you know, speaking it into being, so to speak, if that's the way you want to look at it there. So 94% for Drew, 94% confidence for Elvis. Uh, no, you know, 90%. No, excuse me, 90%. Yeah. Uh, for Elvis and that is still pretty confident all the way across the board so I think we can anticipate a very productive and a very good fall season for Auburn equestrian so Drew thank you so much for joining us uh, on War Horses it's always good to have you contribute your voice and your perspectives on any show here but especially in Auburn equestrian oh yeah I'm, I'm excited I, I love horses yeah, and love writing. I, I've never written a horse. I'm, I'm just messing around. Uh, virtually, yeah. you have though. Boy, you're a killer virtually. I, I love I love Auburn winning. I mean, like that. So equestrians always on my radar because we win a lot at that. If you want to make someone love you, in in terms of the Auburn family, get them some wins. There's some sports right now that really need to take that to heart. No, okay. I'm sorry. We're gonna be positive. Stay stay positive. Come I'm on. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There I go again taking this off the rails as the host elvis thank you so much for allowing me to try to pretend to be the host of your podcast and i'm always uh, excited when you feel uh, the need or the obligation to have me on here so thank you for letting me be here with you oh no no problem yeah i'm sure my listeners appreciate it it's not just that one nasally whiny idiot just railing for 30 minutes or whatever so having two other voices is just oh it's it's a it's a gift to my audience well you know i've always heard that elvis had a beautiful voice so the fact that it's you're calling it nasally i think that just shows your humility right there and uh, well maybe we apply a filter you people don't know this might not be my real voice well well we'll never know there are just some mysteries in life like the fact that alabama can't compete in equestrian so there i'll just leave you with that and thank you all so much for tuning in to war horses we're looking forward to the fall season and we'll be back very soon with you to start breaking down some matches until then war eagle War Eagle. and war horses Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you? Do you?